We're recording and we're live. Welcome back to the Better Bitcoin podcast where I talk about the future of money. I'm your host, Jamie Dabowskis. Jumping right into the news of what happened to Bitcoin, it's no secret that Bitcoin broke, broke key support and it's now at $7,000 per coin right now. I opened up my long, long position back at $8,000 or $8,300 ish. So I'm not personally down by that much in terms of crypto. <laughs> in terms of regular investments, I'm like just crossing that line, that stressful area of bordering the the investment strategy is still intact to the you're a college student, Jamie, you're losing this much is not okay. But anyways, on the on this episode of the podcast, I want to go over some possibilities of why Bitcoin uh, broke key support and uh, some possible future outlooks for Bitcoin. So uh, there's been, been some bad news in China when it comes to Bitcoin. Apparently, there was a crackdown on Bitcoin exchanges in China. There were rumors going around on the internet saying that one of the biggest Bitcoin exchanges Binance, which is based in China, they got raided by Chinese police. The reason I said it was a rumor before is because as of now, Binance has publicly denied that this has happened. And because I quote from them, they have a quote right here. Uh, Binance has no fixed offices in Shanghai or China. So it makes no sense that police raided on any offices and shut them down. Anyways, this rumor came out when price action in Bitcoin was already weak and could have been a factor for Bitcoin going lower. So whether it was true or not doesn't really matter because the headline was out, people got scared and probably panic sold. That's probably just probably just how it happened. Uh, another thing in China that could have contributed to the drop in Bitcoin is that uh, in Shenzhen, Shenzhen, China, has uh, publicly the city has publicly identified up to 39 crypto exchanges that are operating illegally in the city because of a trading ban. Uh, the CEO of Binance, which is the exchange I mentioned before, uh, he went out and said that Shenzhen is Shenzhen honing in on these illegal exchanges is good because most of them are in fact scams. And I think if these illegal smaller, smaller crypto exchanges are indeed scams, then this is absolutely a good thing to happen. But uh, this has been less of a factor towards bringing the Bitcoin price downwards because overall, it's a good thing. But again, with the headlines, uh, if some people just saw the headline saying that all Chinese crypto exchanges are being targeted by police, then that can definitely cause a panic sell from someone who's not as informed. Uh, one of the final reasons that I see that Bitcoin may have broke support is simply because it didn't, Bitcoin probably didn't retrace down far enough from the June 2019 top of $14,000 a coin. Uh, there's been two, these two guys I've been following for a while. I've learned technical a bit of technical analysis off them, uh, mostly Elliott Wave. Uh, these guys, uh, Alvi Gilbert and Ryan Wilday. I'll link their Twitters in the YouTube description below because they're a great resource to learn from. So what I've learned from them is that in Elliott Wave principle, which is uh, Elliott Wave is a technical way of mapping charts out, is that in the five-wave structure, one, two, three, four, five, uh, the wave twos, so like the one, two, these wave twos are usually deep and shake a lot of people out and before having the explosive 
wave threes, which is where a majority of people make their money off of, what everybody, what everybody wants to chase. So uh, in, if you combine Elliott Wave with Fibonacci, as I've learned from these guys, uh, wave twos typically retrace from 50% to 61.8% of the wave one move. Uh, but they can also retrace up to 78.6 of the 71 78.6% of the move. So in terms of Bitcoin prices, if Bitcoin's in a big wave two, so the wave one from the three thousand dollar bottom in 2018, early 2019, all the way up to the June 2019 top of 14k. So if that's the wave one move, then we're trying to find out where our wave two is down here. So uh, then the 61.8 retracement of that wave two would be at would be at a level of 7200. But since obviously we've broke past that, uh, so we're in like in like a tricky bottoming zone where basically anything's unpredictable and anything goes. So this little zone, which is gigantic in terms of like if you're trying to make money, but if you're trying to make money short term on Bitcoin, basically bottom lines, if you're trying to make money short term on Bitcoin right now, you are an idiot because it's just going to be so unpredictable and just so choppy. But anyways, this, this little bottoming zone on the wave two spans from the 61.8% retracement to the 78.6% retracement. So the price can go anywhere in this little zone and then just skyrocket out. So technically, since we're already just punctured the zone, Technically, we can just puncture the zone here, find a bottom five ways up, and then just skyrocket from here. But also, the other possibility that people can see is that um, we can go to the bottom of the zone, at the bottom of the 78.6 retracement, which in terms of Bitcoin price, it's around 5,400, I think. Uh, that's, that's deep. That's not that good. Considering I bought in at eight thousand, but long term, everything will be okay. But if, unless if we break below fifty four hundred, then it proves that we're no longer that this little thing from three thousand to fourteen thousand. That means we're not in a wave two. That means that scraps that whole idea, and we're probably in some bigger corrective wave from the twenty k top, uh, back in, is it? end of 2017 now yeah it's long ago so i try my best not to get caught up in small term price movements i specifically am invested in bitcoin for aiming for like a four year yield because i'll graduate college in four years and in like that long long term bitcoin is still i believe and will be the one of the best investments out there so bottom line for anyone listening, block out that white noise of people screaming that Bitcoin will go to this price, Bitcoin's going to go to this price. Right now, you better get in, better do this. And just focus on like two to three, maybe five years out in the future. And odds are you will be okay if you're invested in Bitcoin. So hopefully I can pay off my student loans with these potential Bitcoin profits in four years when I graduate. So I can graduate, no debts, start my future off right. I like to I price I I like to look at some uh, price milestones of Bitcoin, like the six figure target, or maybe a quarter of a million, or, or maybe in like that crazy stuff, and just like imagine what I could have. I mean, it's always fun. 
and I know I know it's bad to get caught up in price targets because then it like desensitizes me to when some to when like it actually goes higher, then I'll get more greedy and then like stay in, and then I ended up not selling. Anyways, it's kind of bad to do that, but it's also kind of fun because like because also the price targets change and stuff like that. They change dramatically, dramatically. Uh, but I've recently I've been looking at uh, modest used Tesla Model 3s, and if like Bitcoin goes at like 250k by the time I graduate, then I'd love to have the opportunity to get my hands on and buy it. I don't know. Elon, give me one, please. <laughs> okay, anyways, moving on to another article from Cointelegraph. Uh, this article's headline is, Not Your Keys, 92% of institutional investors keep their crypto on exchanges. This article goes over how institutional investors like and prefer storing their coins on an exchange because they don't want to deal with the complexity of storing their private keys themselves. And I do understand from from a I'm I'm not in a I mean I am a computer science student, but like seeing from someone who's not like technologically advanced, seeing it from that perspective, I can totally see how Bitcoin is super hard to understand and super hard to just function like super hard to store your own stuff it's just the simplicity of these exchanges nowadays are just so simple that people just will just use that but i understand this to some degree because institutional invest institutions like coinbase custody which is a crypto custodial service for holding funds on like behalf of companies and coinbase prime which is an institutional exchange, I can see that these are very reputable. And the absolute first thing that these services have to focus on is security of funds. And they've been out for a while, so it's kind of like they have a good track record going. And I know that all, all exchanges, no matter in the U.S. or not in the U.S., they all have what's called a hot and a cold wallet. For those of you who don't know, a hot wallet is a crypto wallet that's always connected to the Internet. So those are the ones that usually get hacked when they do get hacked. Uh, and a cold wallet is a crypto wallet whose um, the keys from the wallet were generated on a computer that has never touched the internet. And the, the keys can either be like physically written down on a piece of paper and thrown in a like safe, like, like what I have. Or they can be like stored in a hard drive and the hard drive like physically unplugged and like stored in the safe as well. Uh, all, these, all these exchanges have to have funds secured in hard drives. They absolutely have to. Uh, that has never touched the internet in vaults in their offices. Like that's how serious these exchanges have to be. Now, I'm not saying that these exchanges cannot be hacked. I'm saying that the popular ones in the US haven't been hacked yet. Cross your fingers. But they pretty much have a really good track record. I can see where these institutional investors are coming from by just, I guess, putting their full trust in these exchanges. But also, I also understand the feeling to prepare in case of a hack. So someone needs to tell these institutional investors that hardware wallets like the uh, Ledger Nano X, which basically looks like a little flash drive. So like, from the naked eye, people can't tell if it's a flash drive or if it's a crypto wallet holding millions and millions of dollars. Nobody knows. 
uh, and also in our hardware wallet called the Trezor. These, these things exist, and they make storing funds offline easy for people who don't know how. So someone needs to spread the word to these institutional investors, get at least like half of their funds protected just in case of like a major hack. I mean, I don't personally own a hardware wallet because I know and understand how to store my funds because, again, computer science nerd right here. So, uh, yeah, but the institutional investors need to get on this issue, I feel. So that's all I have for episode five of the Better Than Bitcoin podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, like the video and subscribe. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Jamie Dabouskis. Everything else will be linked in the YouTube description below. So, uh, yeah, peace.